Welcome to The Horse, a show hosted by longtime Yukoners Dan Bushnell and Jenny Hamilton. On this show, we talk to a diverse collection of people about living in the Yukon, what brought them here, why they stay or have left, but mostly, we like to talk about what truly makes them tick. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and enjoy the show coming to you from the Yukon's capital, Whitehorse, or as it's known to the locals, The Horse. Dan? Hello again. How are you? Pretty good. Good. Pretty good. Nice. I'm a little, little bit um, tired these days, which I'm surprised by because uh, we didn't do the time changes here. I know. It, it's. Uh, I think my body was expecting that extra hour because we never fell back. So I feel like I'm always running an hour late mm-hmm. or I'm up too late. You know, I, I haven't really noticed but they say it'll be better for people that work nine to five okay. because they'll have more time so they, for kids, for school kids. For school kids. Because, uh, you know, it gets dark here so early. Right. That um, you go to work in the dark, you get off work and it's dark. Right. So now you go to work in the dark, you get off work, there's still some time. There's a bit of light. Yes. So the, the thought is, is that it'll help the, um, the, the main working force get a little bit more sun. But wasn't the original thought BC was going to do it, so we had to, and then BC went, yeah, we decided not to, but we had already passed the legislature. You know. <laughs> We're literally on Yukon time at the moment. Which is super funny, because right? when you look now, when you call someone to BC, you can be an hour out. Yes, but when you're talking to people in Alberta, you're the same time zone. For a while. Well, for winter. For winter, yeah. Yes. So I know we did a trivia, and <clears throat> with somebody who's in Brazil, I guess Brazil also nixed the time change so my buddy greg was like i don't know when this is supposed to start i'm so out of sorts i find the daylight savings time strange like and there's lots of farmers right that said no it's too hard on the animals yeah we're not doing this yeah and so i mean there's lots of farming communities that have just said no yeah right right across the board and so the idea that we have to do it yeah is ridiculous well yeah and i mean my cat is he was always bad about it when we'd spring forward, he thought we were feeding him early. When we fell back, he was angry we weren't feeding him on time. Yeah. But he's a jerk. No matter, It just doesn't matter what time of day it is. I, I'm not sure if that's why I'm tired or if I'm just tired because it's November. I think there's that. And the weather has been very strange here. It, it, I mean, when you get a dump of snow in one night that we normally get all year, that was a stressful day for the it's Yukon's very first snow day ever. You know what? That was still some made it to business. work. Some, I didn't. I didn't leave the house that day. Oh, I had no choice, but I ended up driving around my job site, going, "Okay, tell me when the bulldozer's done yeah, moving I, the snow." I really fortunately had that day off, oh, so I, I didn't have to go anywhere. I just stood in the hallway. Mm-hmm. So. We are recording in the basement of the shop. Yes. Because it's too cold to record in the driveway. Right. And the car had to go back in the spot. And the car had to go back in the garage. And we got kicked out by Becky's <laughs> car. <laughs> um, but it stood in the hallway for an incredible amount of time. Right. Waiting for Kirsty to come out of the bathroom <laughs> so that I could force her to deal with the fact that I have dyed my eyebrows and beard. I love I it. I did it very strictly because it annoys both Kirsty and Sarah. And Sarah. 
Kersey is my business partner. Right. Sarah is my business partner slash life partner. Right. And um, and annoying them is your number one. It goal. It is my number one goal. That's what I love about you. I got to tell you, like. The doctors are always trying to put me on some new kind of pills and stuff. They're like, that's Ketalopram, well, Butrin, we'll get you on some business. I'm like, you know what, man? Just, like, buy me a bag of practical joke tricks. Right. I'll and be fine. Send me on my way. Yeah, because, yes. like, I just need to mess with people, and I'm having a great day. Right. Having a great day. Although, Kersey is, like, notoriously difficult to get to do things. Right. Like, I try to scare Kersey all the time. I Maybe I succeed one in five. Right. And Sarah, uh-huh. if I, like, jump out and scare Sarah, I play a joke on Sarah. Right. It results in foot stomping, <laughs> swearing, and possible violence. <laughs> right. Which is just encouraging you. I'm, it does encourage me a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. You know? I know. Is, I, I like to, be a weird kink I like to scare people. My favorite thing in the world is scaring the shit out of people, literally. Um, and then making them laugh. Like, maybe not in the same thing, but in that order. Like, yeah. I, I thought for sure making people laugh was my number one thing until we ran the haunted houses. And it's because it makes me laugh so much. I had to wear a full mask because I, it's, I'm not scary just laughing at you. See, that's funny, though. Oh, it was. And there's so much work to it. But when it works, oh, brilliance. You know how we were talking about, uh, I cry, well, for those that don't know me, I crack a lot of bad dad, dad jokes. jokes. And Jenny uh, shuts them down. And um, But today, I was thought, so first thing in the morning, I like got up, took my car in to get the tires done, walked over to the clinic, went in and had like an appointment with a psychologist. Right. And I sat down and I, start, <laughs> I started my psychology appointment with, how many psychologists does it take to screw in a light bulb? Um, <laughs> and that's no, our time. Said, said, no, sorry. It's, I already fucked that joke up. It's uh, How many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? How many? One. But the light bulb has to really what want to change. change. Yes. And I have to say, my psychologist is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Really lovely. Right. And very tolerant of my nonsense. Yes. They're trained. Trained for people like she, you. Yeah, she just looked at me and stopped and folded her hands on her lap and said, Okay, how many? I had a good time. Nice. Speaking of like my psychologist, mm-hmm. over the past few years, there's been lots of talk about using different, um, like different, what we would consider like a street drug. Right. In, the, in psychiatry and psychology. And like, yes. uh, um, MDMA yeah, and uh, psychedelic mushrooms. Psychedelic mushrooms, ayahuasca, LSD, yeah. DMT, I think. Is DMT, what yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the research was happening in the 30s and 40s. It's been happening for years, yeah, yeah like but for they, decades. But they caught it off in, in the 60s and 70s, blaming the hippies. But, you know, it was yeah. typically the Nixon administration because it was stepping on uh, pharmaceutical company stuff which is interesting because they're the ones doing the research as well because uh they're the ones who made synthetic cannabis Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work it doesn't have the same effects and they you know that's why i think legalization of cannabis in canada was was okay but yeah the psychology side of it i've actually looked into uh uh magic mushrooms um 
to quit smoking. People are doing that too. Yeah. And you know, microdosing. Microdosing to get off. I've never microdosed. I'm no, me neither. A, I'm a macro dose kind I've of I've heard, person. though, that the microdosing can be very good for uh, anxiety and depression. Absolutely. Yeah, and they finally, so they're doing the research again on that. I mean, if you look at the current election, besides all the other cluster fact, there is a lot of, a lot of good that came out of it. Yeah. A lot of uh, cannabis uh, well, my, laws that were passed, a lot of legalization. That's right. A lot of, a lot of new states opening up. Yeah. Uh, I think Colorado and Oregon just um, legalized mushrooms. Well, I think Colorado decriminalized. Okay. But they're on their way to hoping to legalize. Um, but even Utah legalized medical marijuana. Where Idaho, I don't know what the hell's wrong with Idaho. Idaho was the only state that didn't either allow CBD, medical, or recreational. I'm like, you got farmers. They grow potatoes. Yeah. They'd be good with weed. What I don't understand, and what has thrown me about this entire thing, right, is that... With the legalization comes all these people talking about these things like they're new. I know. Well, I mean, it's just like well, they've been around forever. People have been doing them relentlessly. Right. Right. Like. Well, they haven't. It's because of what cultures brought them, right? Yeah, maybe. Yes. Well, if you look at the history of it, marijuana in the states was considered a horrible, horrible thing because it was brought in from Mexico by mm. Mexican immigrants. And then uh, was popular, popularized by jazz musicians because, you know, they're cool. Yeah, yeah. And then what was more fun than going to a jazz club and dancing with a black guy as a white woman? Right? Dancing with smoking. a black guy as a white woman while smoking, smoking the pulley, reefers. Right? <laughs> Couple of nice reefers. Right? And we, why is that illegal? Probably because white women with black men. Racism. Uh, racism. Always comes down to racism. Right. The racists ruin everything for everybody. Yes. And you get that going. We really have have to watch that here, too. I mean, with the legalization of it, you watch huge companies of white guys, old white guys own this. Um, In the States, it's starting to change. It's a little looser. Snoop Dogg owns a lot. Snoop Dogg does. But when it comes to Canada, he's 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 teamed up with the big companies which is fine you got to do it that way money always makes money. but i'm talking producers like in the states there's there are some all black producers that know their stuff because their family's been doing it for generations i think that that's awesome we're always up against the same thing though which is no matter what anybody says about about anything there are always economic issues behind it and I mean, when we start talking about um, even the way that we create systemic racism, right? Systemic racism has an economic imperative. Yes. And um, so when when we start talking about like who owns pot and controls pot, again, legally, yeah, there's an economic economic imperative happening there, which is rich people keeping their money yeah and rich people of all colors but more there's more rich white people on the planet you know when i saw when i saw 50 cent come out and support trump i was like well of course he does 50 cent did i know but i mean of course he did did. because 50 cent is rich well yeah and you're not supporting trump you're supporting keeping your money (laughs) you're supporting tax cuts yeah you're supporting tax cuts for rich people yes right only because you're rich yeah and you're not supporting you know the working class but why why does that anger me more at, at at first than when white people do it 
you know. Because I guess I expect white people to well, do Well, I it. think part of it is because um, there's a really unfortunate thing that we do with uh, with tons of folks, which is we expect every single member of that community to be held at a higher standard than we hold ourselves. Right. right? So, I mean, like, you don't just get to be black. You've got to be a community member you can't, and outstanding. You can't slip. Yeah, you can't you make can't mistakes. You can't do anything at all. Because we will judge you for it. Because right. we expect every single black person to be better. Than me. And, and that's a huge part of like, so when we talk about racism, we all have that inherently inside of us. Yes. In the same way that we speak to trans people. Right. Where, you know, we talk about the trans experience. Well, every single human being's experience is different. There yes. is no one set trans experience. Exactly. Right. So, but we think that not only does every trans person, every black person, every visible minority. Right. When we speak to them, we believe mistakenly that they speak for the entirety of their right. race, of their community, of whoever. Right. And that is a massive amount of pressure. It is. To put on people. You don't just have a conversation with somebody that's like, so, explain to me the black experience. Right. What the fuck. fuck? Right. Right. That person's just like, I came in here to buy some coffee. Yes. Yeah. Right? I'm buying coffee and I'm going to work. Yeah. I don't have time to educate your lazy ass. Right. Because you're unwilling to read a few books. Exactly. And to start doing the work yourself. Right. White people, stop asking everyone to do the work for to you. To educate you. Right? Well, it's not their job. Right there. No. It's not their job to educate you. Not only that. They don't have the time or energy. Don't make them do emotional labor for no. you. Like, fuck off. Exactly. When I get that feeling, and I, it's an inherited gut feeling, like, oh, I'm like, okay, there's something I'm lacking, not them, yeah. right? No, now like, I got to do the work. And that's one of those things where I definitely have been in a situation where I've had questions. Yeah. And I want to ask somebody. So I'm like, oh, I should ask my friend over here that is in this group. Right. Because, like, they'll be able to tell me about the experience of those folks. Right. It's not fair. No. I don't do it. No, I don't do it. I've seen people do it, and you know, I find it interesting to watch that happen. I want to do it. I want to, and I've watched people do it, and I've watched white people continue to ask the same question differently until they get the answer they want. Yeah, and it's like you're not asking a question. You are – you're – shaping a response right there's a difference there is a difference just be quiet and find the stories there's a ton of stories out there just do the research you and know listen listen I what i've been reading a lot of i mean i read a lot yes and um the ibram x kendi mm -hmm. uh the book how to be an anti-racist right fantastic yeah fantastic and i mean i've been reading a lot of other things right now i'm reading heather cox richardson's how the South won the Civil War. Nice. Very interesting. And I mean, Heather Cox Richardson is another writer that I like. Yeah. Because I find that she writes very objectively. Mm -hmm. And she writes in a way that um, speaks to the facts. Right. Right? Yeah. So I, I like it. Another book that's really great is... Uh, White Trash, yeah, a history of classism in America, yeah, or four hundred years of class classism in America. Okay, but um, the thing with those books, right, is that like it actually talks about where the term white comes from, right, right, because that is a created term. It is 
you know, but it was created specifically to denote class. Right. Because in order for people to have, other people have to be something have else. Have to not have, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the have nots create the haves. Yes. And the haves will always fight to keep what they have back to 50 cent. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. I mean, like. I mean, you add money to anybody, it changes them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, nobody that has got gotten money will give it up. No. Period. No. You know, because we do not give up power and power in our world comes from money. Exactly. So. And yeah, it's all perspective too. It's all perspective. Yes. You know, and I, like, I understand. That's why it goes, you know, what we're saying a while back about the uh, spoiled kid in the sandbox. Yes. Well, that's also rich people. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, they call it hoarding, money hoarding. Yeah. Well, I you mean, know, if you if you keep newspapers and cat litter and cats, you're a hoarder. But if you have billions of dollars, it's the same mental. One of the things problem. that gets me is that money is finite. Right. Right. There isn't a limitless amount of money no. produced. There's a finite amount of money produced based on gold. Yes. Right. So when we produce, like the idea that there's a limitless amount of money is actually incorrect. Yes. So when you have somebody that's sitting on top of $160 billion. Telling everybody, you can be just like me. That's $160 billion that is not in circulation. Exactly. That is money you can't earn. It's not out there. That's hoarding. It's hoarding. Yeah. So you, yeah. Like, and I mean, when we, and anyone that like is questioning that. Like, and I'm not an economist. No. I'm a dude that draws pictures for a living. You know, fact check me. Right. Right? Go and check check it out. Read about it. Yes. But what I do know for certain is that every time in the world that we have produced money limitlessly, it crashes economies. Oh, absolutely. Which is why you see pre-World War II Germany. Right. People pushing wheelbarrows full of money to buy a loaf of bread. Yes. Because the money was devalued. It didn't mean anything. It was meaningless paper. And it's, you know, I, I watch China because their economies run differently. That's they right. don't base it on gold. They base it on what they're building at the time. Yeah. Ooh, that's, I don't know if that's better or worse. Like, you I'm know, no economist either, but, I mean, they've got know, full cities that are empty because they need to keep building. Yeah. So, yeah. like, for me, I just kind of think and go, well... You know. Well, no wonder everybody has to do mushrooms. Well, I just read, I just read a book about um, the Haitian Revolution. I've been reading quite a bit about the Haitian Revolution. Right. Uh, I've read three books recently, and um, that's me humble bragging about all the books. There I you read. go. I I listen to stuff. I don't have time to read. Yeah, actually, that I should say that is like I have, um, uh, I've had horrible neck injuries. Right. So it's very difficult for me to read. Right. Uh, so what I do is listen to books while I draw yeah and um and because I'm drawing constantly for work yeah and so I mean I'll draw six six hours in a row right you know like on Sundays and Mondays it's not you know I'll draw six or seven hours a day right and um but I listen to books yes and I listen to them in the car and I listen to them what every chance I get yeah I'm listening to a book so most of the books when I say I read them I actually listen to them right because um yeah, and a lot often there, like the Heather, Co- Heather Cox Richardson book is narrated by Heather Cox Richardson. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. I like that. Yeah, I like when and the author can do it. Ibram Ibram Kendi, uh, and uh, again Ibram 
Ibrun Xkendi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But um, uh, also narrated his book. Awesome. So that's interesting. I mean, there are some authors that are not good narrators. That's why we need them. You know what? There are some narrator. terrible. Like, there are some authors that are terrible. Right. When they narrate. Um, you know who's a, who's a narrator I didn't like at first and then grew on me was Burt Reynolds. Really? Okay. There are these detective novels. So I try to I try to go like two nonfiction books, fiction book. Two right. nonfiction books, fiction book. So right. Depending on where I'm at in my cycle is yes. what I'm listening to. But um, there are these books called uh, the Spencer series. Right. They're detective no- okay. novels. Okay. And, and Burt like Reynolds that. does. Burt Reynolds. There's three books that Burt Reynolds narrated. <laughs> and they're just like heartboiled detective. Right. And I got to tell you, like, it's just Burt Reynolds. At first, I was like, I don't know if I like this. And oh, then I was like, no, I do. I do the like Bandit's it. reading it to me. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect. That's awesome. Okay, so The Bandit. Right. One morning, I got up. I think it was on Amazon Prime or right. some shit. But I was, uh, I saw Smoking the Bandit. I love that show. Yeah, and I was like, when was the last time I watched Smoking the Bandit? Right. So I sat down to watch it. And it created an epiphany for Sarah. Okay. So How? Well, Sarah has mentioned in the past to me that if it was up to her, she would have been a truck driver. Ah. And I was like, okay. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, cause, I mean, that's fine, be a truck driver. Right. right. And, um, but that was always one of her things. And then there was, a, like, there was all these little things, and she realized, as I was watching Smoking the Bandit, that a lot of what she wanted to be when she grew up mm-hmm. came from smoking the bandit. <laughs> That's why she wanted to be a truck driver. Right. That's why she likes certain kinds of cars. Yes. Like she was like, Oh my God. <laughs> She's like, I can't believe the shaping <laughs> of my life that this movie right? had the potential to create. Yes. Did she see Smoking the Bandit too? Cause that, <laughs> you know what? That, that would have ruined it. Right. I actually didn't. I, I, um, know that I have seen Smoking the Bandit 2, but I had the option to watch it and chose not to. Oh, I love it because Shirley MacLaine's in it. I'm you like, know, Shirley MacLaine's in it. You know why I didn't watch it is because uh, is because I don't remember it. Okay. And I know that people disparage right. it, so I didn't watch it because I was like, well, I, I don't want to wreck it. I'm a movie file. Like, I'll watch... Like, I heard this song. We were doing trivia. Becky found this song by Menudo. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that was on the end of Cannibal Run too. She's like, ah. but they sang it in Spanish in the movie, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she's like, no, looked it up. I'm like, how did I get remember that? You know, from you, the '80s. We don't choose what we remember. I know. Like movies do influence you, though. I know oh, that uh, uh, it was well, and TV shows. So I did become an auto mechanic, and there was two things I eventually figured out. It was. Uh, road warrior because they had the one guy who was paralyzed but he was the mechanic yeah. so they kept him alive swung in there. he swung in i was like he's useful learn to be useful and then it was dukes of the hazard uh the one guy that wasn't always being chased and going to jail but was part of the family was cooter, cooter. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. who yeah. knew i grew up to be cooter <laughs> <laughs> You just about killed me there. 
Because I was sitting here thinking yeah. that cooter is like slang for vagina. Yes. Chasing cooter, being cooter. It's yeah. all good. You know, I was like, okay, okay. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to have to sit yeah. with that for a second. Right. Oh, my God. That's making my eye water. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. The Daisy Dukes had nothing to do with me watching at all. You know, oh, no. i got to tell you, I remember watching that show but i must have been young enough right that you didn't notice that the the sexualization of it didn't right. happen no like because one of the things that i remember really distinctly happening to me was like i had this friend and he wasn't rich right but he was spoiled okay <laughs> yes and his parents bought him everything right and he was obsessed with gi joe okay so back in the day with all the G.I. Joe toys, but he had a room right. in his house that was his toy room. Whoa. And what he did in there was he set up dioramas. Of G.I. Joe of stuff. Of G.I. Joe stuff. Cool. So it wasn't necessarily that he was playing with it, but he built these really elaborate dioramas. Right. And one day he came to school and said, my parents bought me the aircraft carrier. Oh, wow. And. Which is like a. Expensive. It's, yeah, and rare. Rare, yes. It was the only one I had ever seen. Right. It's like to this day. Yeah. He's the only person I ever knew that owned one. Right. But uh, it was at a time in my life where there was this girl that had suggested that we go to the mall together. Right. And I was so torn. I was like... <laughs> And I couldn't figure it out. I was like, do I want to go to the mall with a girl with this girl and walk around the mall? Right. Or do I want to go and check out the aircraft carrier after school? Right. And I had to make a decision. Yes. Between the aircraft carrier or going to the mall with a girl. Right. And I remember being conflicted. Yes. Like conflicted. Yeah. Where I was just like That's a hard time. I don't love the mall. Right. Like, you know, at the time yeah. I didn't love the yeah. mall. Yeah. And what surprised me wasn't that, um, was that I was having a problem. Right. That's when I started to realize that something was going on. Right. Because I was like, I don't like the mall. I don't really know that girl that well. Right. And I don't want to just walk around in the mall. Yes. It doesn't interest me. Yeah. But I still wanted to go. Right. And I still wanted to go bad enough that I was willing to not see a toy that no one that, that owned, that was, I would never see again in my life. Right, that was only heard of, never seen. Yeah, I literally got to see that toy once in my wow. life. Well, I mean, I see. for about a year before I moved. And you again. knew you couldn't ask her, let's go look at an aircraft let's carrier. Let's go look at Rob's aircraft carrier. You're going to love it. <laughs> right. It'll hold a, it'll hold a Sky Striker. Right. Wow. I mean. Wow. Yes. Know. But that was like... It's funny how that stuff comes on, and there's a time in your life where you're like, huh. You Things know, are weird. Where it starts to change. And so, I mean, Daisy Duke falls into that for me. Yeah. Where I was vastly more interested in the car. Me too. You know. I mean, I did my eyes do it. Oh, that's okay too. You know what? I, I'll i be real honest. I don't remember that. I just remember I wish she drove the car. I remember I liked Uncle Jesse. Yeah, Uncle Jesse was cool. Which Cooter is, was the coolest. <laughs> well, it's interesting that I kind of look like Uncle Jesse, right? so that worked out. <laughs> yes. You know? but think about this, man. That was before we even thought about the fact that that was the General Lee. I know. Or there were Confederate flags. No, it was just some good old boys. Good old boys. Right? Even good old boys. Today. It's, it's, 
Ah, uh, yeah. When I say don't go there, there's just a bunch of good yeah, old boys. When you say good old boys now, yeah, that's like don't go to that right? neighborhood. Don't go over near those folks. Right. I mean, what I got from the show, it's interesting, was uh, the the bad guys were the police. Yeah. Because they weren't letting them run their moonshine, I think is what it was. Yeah, they were just... Yeah, they were shine runners. They yeah. were shine runners doing their thing. I don't know. It just... Yeah. It was the cops are bad. You know, Smokey and the Bandit, cops are bad. I think so, that's a trend coming back. Cops a, are bad. A bunch <laughs> of years ago, I'm going to call it... We're going to call it 1996. Right. I came home from school. I got here. A friend of mine had decided that he was going to start wearing dresses. Okay. And was immediately gay bashed. Right. Because White Horse White in Horse. the 90s. Yes. And uh, so he got immediately gay bashed. Right. Which led to every single person we knew wearing dresses. Right. We just all started wearing dresses everywhere we went. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, that was exactly our yeah. response. It was like, you know what, fuck that. Fuck you. And in White Horse, it was fine. Yes. We saturated it very quickly. People... Backed off. Backed off. Got the point. I, you know, I got threatened a couple times, and um, but it, you know, it resolved. And, yep. But then uh, I'm in Carmax. Right. On our way to Dawson for the Dawson City Music Festival. Years later, or like nope, the same same year? same summer. Okay. I am not think I had just started wearing like skirts and strongs, and I was just wearing them, not even thinking about it. Right. So we ran out of gas, and the gas station in CarMax was closed. Right. So we went into the, what is it, the Midnight Sun, the bar there? I think so, yes. So we went into the Midnight Sun. There was a band playing, and it was like a scene out of a movie. Right. Where we walked in, and the place went silent. And everybody turned and looked. And I didn't think to myself, I'm wearing a strong. Right. I was wearing a strong and a bandana on my head. It was back when I still had hair. Right. And, um... And I was with a friend of mine who was also wearing a sarong. Yes. And we walked in, and uh, the place went silent, and somebody yelled out, Who let the rag-headed faggots in here? Wow. And I was just like, right. That's us. Right. Right. And uh, that situation was looking very bad. Yes. It was about to get real, real ugly. Right. And then the band just decided they were going to start playing again. Right. And that band started playing Copperhead Road, <laughs> which is, a cor- of course, like yeah. reminiscent of the Dukes of Hazard, yes, right? Like, yeah. They started playing Copperhead Road. Something about Steve Earle writing that song uh-huh. made every single person in that bar stop, right. look away from us, look at the bar, and begin singing Copperhead, Copperhead Road. Road. Yes, We were suddenly safe right? and i was just Yay, like steve did earl. steve earl just save my life like <laughs> right? is that what just right? happened right now yeah and then i happened to know all of the words to copperhead road right so then i just immediately was like you sing this with all your heart damn bushnell and i started singing <laughs> copperhead road right. along with everybody then we were cool yes we even we even got someone to give us some gas nice so it worked out good right but shine running song saves damn bushnell's life right Exactly. Because I chose to wear a sarong to CarMax. Right. But when you walked in and they screamed that at you, yeah. was there anything in your gut? Like, Was it like, oh, shit, now I'm going to get my ass kicked? Because I know when I walk into places and they're like, ugh, fucking dyke, there's a part of my body that reacts because it's true. You know, 
and, and then I'm and then I'm like weaker because they're throwing truth at me with hate. And for me, it was a choice. Okay. I wa- I mean, because I walked in there wearing. But, I was wearing a, a strong as a protest. Right. Right. So you coming out against my protest? Well, I have an expectation of that. Right. Right. So someone yelling at me because I'm doing something specifically protesting. to make you yell at me. Right. I literally was throwing it in people's faces. Right. So. There, I had an expectation of reaction. And right? I mean, I go through life with an expectation of reaction. I will tell you this. Now that we're wearing masks in, in mm. stores and stuff, I mean, typically I do get, excuse me, sir, and then I turn around and, and then the person feels uncomfortable. And I I don't care. I When people call me sir or ma'am hurts a little because it means I'm older. But, sir, I see it as a sign of respect. Now I get a sir a lot because my mouth and nose are covered. And I came to realize that the other day they call me sir, but it's different because all they see, like I'm wearing the hat, wearing the glasses, wearing the mask, but it's the gray hair. Oh, yeah. So they're seeing an old man. You know what? <laughs> oh, and that hurts in a totally different way. You know what, though? <laughs> I know, Becky's like this because you're old, bitch. There's a certain kind of room you get from being older. I get better service. Yeah. Yeah. And being male. You know oh, that's something new for me. Look, don't underestimate the, the power of white skin and a I penis. I know. Who knew? It's magic. It is. And masks are helping me get more of that respect that I don't yeah. have the equipment to back up. I find it just gives me a bit of anonymity, which I like. I do, too. It looks like I'm robbing the place all the time. but It looks like everybody's robbing I know, the but I'm like, oh, everybody is, including yeah. the people who work here. Yes. Well, we should uh, go. Jenny, this has been lovely. Well, awesome, Dan. I'm glad we do this. I will see you next time. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you had fun and maybe even learned something. The Horse is brought to you by Molotov and Brick Tattoos and J.L. Hamilton Productions. Until next time, remember to be kind to yourself and to others. podcast.